want you to learn a, a verse of Scripture, which we'll come back to uh, later on and uh, sort of say together. A lot of uh, congregational participation. But the, the, the Scripture is Isaiah chapter 30, verse 15. I'll say it to you, and I want you to repeat after me in a minute just to make sure we have it. And then I'm going to go right into my message, and uh, the bulk of our worship then, our praise, this is part of worship too, will be uh, after I've spoken for a while. Because we're commissioning uh, spring break in the city and uh, potter's clay. And uh, so we, this is kind of about all of us, but it's particularly about that. But anyway, here's the verse, Isaiah 30:15, And repentance and rest is your salvation, and quietness and trust is your strength. Okay, let's just say that first phrase. Uh, and repentance and rest, and quietness and trust is your strength. You're right on it. Okay, let's do it again. Uh, just repeat after me, just so I'm, I'm more secure about what you really know here. And repentance and rest is your salvation. And quietness and trust is your strength. Okay, let's say both of them together. And repentance and rest is your salvation. And quietness and trust is your strength. Let's pray. Father in heaven, uh, that's the truth. We believe it. And then I'm going to and we don't. Lord, I pray that the words of my mouth and the thoughts of our hearts together would please you as we open your word. In Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. It was the best of times. It was the worst of times. Now, I can't think of any reason why anyone would want to comment on the best of times or worst of times. Can you? Let me start again. It was the best of times. It was the worst of times. It was the age of wisdom. It was the age of foolishness. It was the age of belief. It was the epoch of incredulity. It was the season of light. It was the season of darkness. It was the spring of hope. It was the winter of despair. We had everything before us. We had nothing before us. We were all going direct to heaven. We were all going direct the other way. Now, those are some of the most famous lines to begin any novel in the English language. They're Charles Dickens' description of the times of the French Revolution in two cities, London and Paris. The story is a tale of two cities. And that's the title I'm giving to the, this passage we're going to look at this morning in the book of the Acts, chapters 12 and part of chapter 13, A Tale of Two Cities. The cities are Jerusalem and Antioch, or what they stand for, at least in this story. The kingdom of God and the kingdom of this world. Verse 1 of chapter 12. About that time, King Herod Agrippa began to persecute some believers in the church. He had the apostle James, John's brother, killed with a sword. When Herod saw how much this pleased the Jewish leaders, he arrested Peter during the Passover celebration and imprisoned him, placing him under the guard of four squads of four soldiers each. Herod's intention was to bring Peter out for public trial after the Passover. But while Peter was in prison, the church prayed earnestly for him. Okay, 
the characters. We have Herod Agrippa, and what a tale there is to tell about him. He, he's the grandson of Herod the Great, so-called, the murderer of babies in Bethlehem around the time of our Lord's birth. Uh, he not only murdered babies in Bethlehem, he murdered family members. It was said of Herod the Great, it was, it was better to be a pig in his household than to be a son because he killed his own children. That's Agrippa's granddad. And his uncle is Herod Antipas, the uh, governor responsible for the beheading of John the Baptist. He has quite a family tradition here, and he is king of Israel. In fact, he is the culmination now of centuries of kings that Israel has had. What a man. He, at this point, has lived 30 years in Rome. Uh, he's really more Roman than anything else. He has lived among the Roman nobility, uh, a voluptuous, uh, self-indulgent, uh, a politically charged kind of lifestyle. He uh, has Jewish interests. He, uh, he's sort of fascinated by the Jewish religion. In fact, he, he oversees the, uh, the sacrifices in the temple. He's not a Jew, but he, uh, but he likes Judaism, and he's king under the Roman rule of, of Israel. He's been educated by Greeks. He thinks like a Greek. He thinks and acts like a Roman. He has Jewish interests. And very interestingly, he, he appears to have no particular animosity toward Christians. Of course, they aren't even called Christians yet. They're simply followers of the way. Uh, what motivates him to, uh, to put James to death is the fact that it pleased certain Jewish leaders. So we can see the kind of man he is. He's driven entirely by what either advances his power or impedes his power. And seeing that it went well when he killed James, he now arrests Peter with presumably the same idea in mind. There's a tale here. Then there's James who gets killed with a sword. Remember James, brother of John, Nicknamed by Jesus, Sons of Thunder. How would you like that nickname? Because, well, they're, they're pugilists. They're, they're fighters. They, they like to argue. They like, well, they like violence. And uh, how would you like the nickname when you walk up? Here comes the thunders, <laughs> you and your brother. And on one ignominious day, they, uh, they come with their mother to Jesus and say, Now, Lord, when you come into your kingdom, can my, can my boys, uh, James and John, be one at your left and one at your right. And you can be sure that the two brothers would have fought over who got the right and who got the left. And Jesus, who's on his way to his death, is amazingly patient. He says something like, now, okay, but are you able to drink the cup that I'm going to drink? And they say, yes, we are. And Jesus turns pensive and he says, thanks and act. Drink the cup that I'm going to follow. James says he can, and James does drink the cup. He's put to death. Well, then there's, uh, there's Peter, and there's a tale there, too. Peter's the one who, uh, well, the last time we checked, uh, was preaching and getting quite a hearing. Before that, he just your kingdom floor. Here's James. James. Back in, how would you like John? Probably the and he did. Walk up here at the balance, and you walk at the church. 
mother to Jesus. Body names, no thunders, all Lord. He's not on his way to earnestly for thought over who. Yeah. When all these people come together. Well, verse six. The night before Peter was to be placed on trial, he was asleep, chained between two soldiers, with others standing guard at the prison gate. Suddenly there were a bright light in the cell, and an angel of the Lord stood before Peter. The angel tapped him on the side to awaken him and said, Quick, get up. And the chains fell off his wrists. Then the angel told him, Get dressed and put on your sandals, and he did. Now put on your coat and follow me, the angel ordered. So Peter, Peter fell, come to us. The kingdom had denied to death. Happening. That, that you just don't want to be over. I mean, I, I've had these dreams where you're, you're, you know it's a dream, sort of vaguely in your dreamlike state, and maybe, you know, flying, and and you're thinking, yeah, I know this is a dream. Well, well, there too, so you can keep on dreaming it. Well, dream, well, Peter is having this really awesome dream. This angel comes into a cell, and the chains fall off, and he says, put on your clothes. He puts on his sandals and his cloak, and, and they just walk right out of the jail. And all the way, all the time, Peter's saying, this is, this is the greatest dream I've ever had. And Peter finally realized what had happened when the angel walked away from him. It's really true, he said to himself. The Lord has sent his angel and saved me from off. And he said, after a little thought, he went to the home of Mary, the mother of Jesus. He went thought it was a vision, but all the time there. He knocked at the door, telling me, things cool. Really. And they knocks on the door. Bible that I, uh, I really would like to meet someday. Dream line. First one. Get up. You know what? You're placed on. He's, uh, well, he's like a lot of ever have dreams of a semester on your clothes in the second story window of a house where uh, a very enthusiastic campus pastor is preaching a message and he's been studying nights after nights after nights and, Pete, and Paul Paul does on and on and on and on and Eutychus falls sound asleep he falls so sound asleep he slumps over and falls out the second-story window. He at the door for prayer. They're all looking at each other. I've never read that story. Well, read it. It's in the book of Acts. And they all rush outside at this time. Over this, he has a teenager. I'm sure he is. The angel comes. Hey, man, he gets up. He's okay. Now, I want to meet Eutychus. I mean, how did he feel when it was all over? Stupid or, you know, or... Paul is so long-winded, I hope I never have to listen to one of his sermons again. I don't know. But the, Eutychus, but Rhoda is the other one. Now, wait. They've been praying earnestly for Peter. Peter gets released miraculously. He comes to the house where they're praying. He knocks on the door. Now, notice what it says. When she recognized Peter's voice, she was so overjoyed that instead of opening the door, she ran back inside. Everyone, well, people standing at the in the Bible. <laughs> You're out of your mind, they said. When she insisted, they decided it must be his angel. What? Long-winded. I'm sitting. You know. 
You're crazy. Well, listen, it's Peter out there. No, you're having a nightmare. You're having a dream. When they finally went out and opened the door, they were amazed. He motioned for them to quiet down and told them what had happened and how the Lord had led him out of jail. Tell James and the other brothers what happened, he said, and then he went to another place. At dawn, there was a great commotion among the soldiers about what had happened to Peter. Herod Agrippa ordered a thorough search for him, and when he couldn't be found, Herod interrogated the guards and sentenced them to death. Afterward, Herod led, left Judea to stay in Caesarea for a while. Then we jump over to Caesarea. Now Herod was very angry with the people of Tyre and Sidon. So they sent a delegation to make peace with him because their cities were Herod's food. They made friends. It was a great Herod. Notice what it was for them to quiet. And an appointment with Herod was granted. When the day arrived, Herod put on his royal robes, sat on his throne, and made a speech to them. The people gave him a great ovation, shouting, It's the voice of a god, not of a man. Instantly, an angel of the Lord struck Herod with a sickness because he accepted the people's worship instead of giving the glory to God. So he was consumed with worms and died. Verse 24, back to Jerusalem. But God's good news was spreading rapidly. And there were many new believers. Okay. Well, you know, the moral of this story. Well, two big ones. And then I'm going to give you some things. He found, as you believe, Caesarea. More jump over to Caesarea. of this world passes away. It's vivid. He accepted the people to make peace with were dependent on the guard, ego to match power, couldn't be heretocuting the people of God. He's doing everything to squash them out, to advance his own power. And by the time the story's over, Jerusalem is confounded, Herod is consumed with worms, and Rhoda and her bunch are growing. Now, there's a lot of humor in this, but it's special for humor. Ordered a third credit, and you'd not. The commitment with Herod, if you pass away, and made a well, to you notice I didn't say kingdom. World oil roading rapidly. Kingdom of the world has a. Then we jump right. Set on us in North America, in Europe, in Asia. Set on South. Put on his. But Herod put on the sex. He was so intimate with Herod. Verse 24. All against the knowledge of God. That's one of the moral. What's no matter incredibly powerful the world attempts against the people squashed many and puzzled and left in the dust. Moral number two. The kingdom of God continues. Herod goes down and Rhoda rules. You say that with me. Rhoda rules. No? Rhoda rules. And any Herod goes down and you guys, I'm I want enthusiasm here because this room is filled with a bunch of Rhodas. I hope you'll see that in a minute. Rhoda rules. 
Listen to what Paul... I need to speak more clearly. 1 Corinthians 1, 27, that is 9. Remember, dear brothers and sisters, that few of you were wise in the world's eyes or powerful or wealthy when God called you. Instead, God deliberately chose things the world considers foolish in order to shame those who think they're wise. And He chose those who were powerless to shame those who are powerful. God chose things despised by the world, things counted as nothing at all, and used them to bring to nothing what the world considers important so that no one can ever boast in the presence of God. See, in the book of Acts, there's a turning point here. From this point on in the book, the action shifts from Jerusalem to a pagan as a finally First Corinthians church made up of rodents, of insignificant, common people with no particular credentials to recommend them to anybody else but God, goes to Antioch, and from Antioch the church goes to the whole world. That's the moral. Wherever Oh, hear this. Wherever the gospel is contained or squashed or and you things to for the shame that the world consider Herod down and the question for every considers is a turning who are powerful who are powerful are we and are we Antioch? Considers important. It's the big story. Book of Acts, that and the chart. We're wealthy to those of you who are leaving for spring break. A lot of us are leaving for Los Angeles and for San Francisco. There it goes down. What do we have to take with us as we leave? Presumably, like the church in Antioch when it left Jerusalem. Number one, we have a sovereign God. That's what we have. We have from God. Give a charge. Recommend them to church. Peter goes to prison. The church prays. And Peter gets released. And, used, and, and he chose... This, this with that in mind, a sovereign God. The gospel, the gospel is important. It's prayed for and he died. The church. What's going on here? God just doesn't answer that. In fact, when we put God on trial and ask him, please explain yourself to us. Have you, and this is how gets from rules. The gospel. Quiet God gets. That's the big thing. He's sovereign. He's king. And whatever he's doing, he just usually doesn't bother to explain it to us, except this. We see James die, and we think, well, Peter must have been a fluke. But when our faith is healthy, we see Peter rescued. 
and we're le we learn to accept what James' death must have meant, whether we understand it or not. That's the first thing we bring with us. Answer I'm not here to uh, say any doom. I just know James kept this. Prayed for it. The church prayed. People go someplace. There's a lot we may not understand, like of years ago when went to Potter's Bay and came. God gets when that's too short. To him, counted some lost in a car accident. And all the parents, we pray, all you, you pray, and and I, I have no premonitions about what it's going to be like this spring break. All I know is God is sovereign, and when you go, know that. He's our king. king. And it pleases him to protect and to lead the church wrote us simple place for the church to be lost instance it's with me guys peter well is your salvation and cranked and you cranked on trial we have the gospel to take with us the story ends with this wonderful wonderful God's good news was spreading rapidly, and, and there were who watched in prison. Which is to say, no matter what, what Jesus him, no matter what, the word of God stands forever. You know, not everybody gets to be a preacher. Not everybody should be a preacher. Uh, it's an odd thing to stand up in front of hundreds of people and uh, open a Bible and start thinking about what we see here to be incredibly discouraged in some. You see unbelief, disrespect for the Word of God. It can be incredibly discouraging to wonder if anything you're ever saying can make any difference at all. I never feel more like a Rhoda than when I stand in front of you guys. But the Word of God, the Gospel, will not be fettered. It will do its work. It will spread and it will, well, it's a double-edged sword. It will cut through everything that stands against it. Because God rules, because his word rules, Rhoda, the church, can be confident. Let's say it again. And repentance and rest is your salvation. And quietness and trust is your strength. Thirdly, we have prayer. That's what you have as you go. The church prayed earnestly. Now, I've read the New Testament and the Old Testament uh, scores of times. And I'm, I'm amazed at how little, especially Jesus, how little he tells us about how to pray. I mean, you know, specific instructions about pray this way or that way. What, what really amazes me is he seems to think that just two or three things are what you need to pray. Persistence and earnestness. And faith. 
You know how much faith you're supposed to have when you pray, Jesus said? You know, how much, you know what kind of faith you need to see Peter released or whatever it's going to be? You know how much you need? You need about this much. Jesus said, you, the faith of a mustard seed will move mountains. Which is to say, there's hope for us rotas. It's not giant faith. Don't believe people who tell you you have to have the faith of a super spiritual giant mystic or whatever to get God to do what you need. It's not true. In fact, the people are actually, well, they don't believe it when the prayer is answered. That's how bad their faith is. But listen, the strength of prayer is not on the strength of the one praying. It's on the strength of the God we pray to. So when you go, know this. In repentance and rest is your salvation. In quietness and trust is your strength as you pray. You know, I want to I dedicate a prayer chapel someday. I want to call it the Rhoda Memorial Prayer Chapel. A little line underneath it would be, Knock and the door shall be opened. And in parentheses, even if your faith is real shaky. You have that, brothers and sisters. And finally, you have the angels to go with you. God sent his angel to Peter. Uh, happy are those who see these angels. Most of us never do. We're like Elisha's servant who couldn't see anything but the armies of their enemies out around the city. But Elisha said, don't be afraid for there are far more on our side than on theirs. ...in his eyes and let them You know what you... You know, I've read... ...this world. Wherever you're going... ...you have a sovereign God. You have his gospel. You have a gift. How much space... ...I want to call it... ...Rotus to go with you. Release... ...who couldn't... Of a Let's uh, pray right now. Uh, the worship team is going to come on up. We're going to uh, sing our praises to this God, and then uh, then I'm going to commission us. Go off giant faith. You have work of the chain. Let's have time, brothers and sisters. We pray. Everybody, just stay on your feet and. Uh, his gospel. You know what kind of to do what this week is for all of us who uh, name the name of Christ, but but open his eyes to let them to pray. It, oh Lord, but there, like or whatever armies of their inner servants, city, uh, Los Angeles. Okay, see you. So I'm going to serve God in Carpenter Rio this week. <laughs> And uh, it's no less true uh, of us who will be going home than it is for us who are going out. So let's say the verse together, and then let me say a prayer of commissioning over all of us here. In repentance and rest is your salvation. In quietness and trust is your strength. Lord God, you're sovereign, and we're your servants. We do all things well, and we go in the name of your Son. Lord, we pray on our gospel, the gospel of reconciliation.
direction of you know you have direction Lord, we will pray. You worship this people, even with a large number of shape, gift of enemies of their enemies. Let's say the verse together. Sends his angels. Range your the large church. Keep us as yourself. Lord, I should pray uh enemies I have in us. Trust to uh, go off this Lord. If you're and I should pray and Lord continue to Worship wrote us. Given the gift. Amen. And now may God Himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless until the day of Christ. And the one who calls you is faithful. Reckon and he will do it. Amen. Do the work. Uh, on our side, to Mexico, Mexico, the God of let's God again. Week, week. We will pray conciliation. Ready? Going home. And repent. of our worship. Your reconciliation. Fruit. Fruit. Go with. Faithful.